up here. Anyways, all right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully many more times, amen, as they come on in. And uh, it's a blessing to be here. I'm grateful that you're all here with us. And uh, I'm grateful that I uh, have opportunity to preach God's Word, have opportunity to have and meet uh, many of you, uh, some of you for the first time, to have some of you return, and I'm grateful that you would come back, amen? And uh, I know you just can't get enough, amen? It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. It's such a blessing uh, to gather together with God's people. It's such an encouragement <clears throat> uh, to, uh, to wonder... Uh, what God's doing in the heart of this community and how God's going to grow and, and bring more people as time goes on. and Well, we're just so grateful to have you with us. But I do know we have a first-time visitor with us. And uh, Ms. Zebba, would you go ahead and introduce your sister? Amen. This is my sister, Joyce. Amen. Amen. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Ms. Joyce. And uh, what, what a blessing it is. Um, and uh, so... The young people, is such a blessing. I love to watch them sing. I love to sing um, as far as the, the song goes. Uh, the song is In Christ Alone. And uh, the, uh, the, the crux there is my hope is found in Christ alone. 
Uh, and I wanted to make sure that everybody understands there is no other name given among men whereby we can and are able to be saved. And there is no other way because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of what He's done for us on the cross, we have the opportunity to be saved. Amen. I got a ringing coming through. Amen. I'm the only one that can hear it probably, but uh, nonetheless, uh, when your ears twitch, uh, forgive me because pastor has a problem with that, all right? But I want to invite you to John chapter 6. John chapter number 6. And we can go ahead and mute every other mic. That might be picking up too. All right. John chapter number 6. And you're probably going to get there before I do, but uh, nonetheless... John chapter 6. I want to invite you as we stand. That's our custom as we stand. As we read God's Word. John chapter number 6. When you get there, please stand with me. And uh, John chapter number 6. Now, 6 is a long chapter, but I'm going to jump all the way down to verse 60. Way down to verse 60 of John chapter number Six. The Bible begins and says this, Many therefore of His disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured at it, He said unto them, Doth this offend you? Verse 62, What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, excuse me, And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Uh, As Jesus begins to speak the words of spirit and the words of truth to his disciples, in their confusion... Many of them question God and question Jesus Christ and what He is going to do. And the Bible says very clearly, verse 62, What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before? Spirit and life. And Jesus Christ, uh, we're going to jump into that where Jesus Christ did rise. Amen? And there is hope. And this is Jesus throughout the book of John as we've been studying it together. If you're new with us, Uh, There are many, many times where the book of John declared Jesus Christ would ascend. Jesus Christ would give His life a ransom for many and He would rise again. And Jesus here is declaring this. And this is a hard saying. The disciples in their mind are, If the Lord, Lord, if you're gone, our hope is dead. We have no hope. If you ascend, if you die, if these things really transpire... We have no hope. We have no one to turn to. Is everybody with me? I want to tell you today, as we begin the message, the title is Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive. Let's begin with prayer. Father, 
I'm grateful that we've had opportunity, Lord, to come together, that you've given us the ability, Lord, to hear. You give us the ability to listen. And I pray for our ears and minds and hearts, for every person here. Maybe this is the first time that some have heard the gospel message. Maybe this is something that has become uh, normal, Lord, to an extent. I pray, Lord, that as we hear the name of Jesus, as we read and consider what He's done for us, that we it would not fall on deaf ears, and that the Word would continue to have power and might in our hearts, in our lives. I pray that You would uh, work in us in a special way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So hope is alive. Lord, if you're leaving, so on. So Jesus spoke in hard saying and added that not everyone will clearly understand the truth and of the little amount that clearly understand, there's even fewer that will accept it. If some will doubt and some will deny it and from the time they heard Him speak of His death and resurrection, many of the disciples stopped following Him. I believe that as people, we are the same. We rely just as the Jews did on what we can see and feel for ourselves. <clears throat> so as I jump in on hope today, I wanted to remind you there is hope. Um, although in this world there is, uh, there is talk and rumors of wars, there is problems all over this world, and there is uh, empty promises and empty guarantees and and people even in the workplace dangling carrots over your head and saying, if you work to achieve this, I'll give you such and such. And the reality is, it comes in vain, right? Well, I hope so. I hope it works out. We all think that in our mind. I hope so. Uh, there's a, a, a loan forgiveness, debt forgiveness plan out there today that if some people work in the, the student industry or in other industries, they say, if you work here 10 years, we'll forgive all your student loan debt. And we'll forgive everything. Everybody says they're hoping in that. They'll work hard and long. And they say, man, I hope that it works out. And they get to the very end. And uh, very little percentage-wise of any of those people, if not 30%, 20% of those people have actually gotten help. Well, I hope it works out. To put your faith and your hope in something else other that, that is vain and empty and there's nothing that amounts to it. And many people will put more faith and more hope in the car that they drive than in anything else in this world. They, they say, hey, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you went out to your car and before you started your car, you examined every belt? You made sure the battery was connected. You made sure it was full of fuel. You made sure there was oil in it. You made sure there was transmission fluid in it. You made sure it was full of coolant. You made sure, I mean, every time you drive. How many of us do that? Nobody. Nobody. I wonder how much faith we put in a car. Brother Gary found out how much faith you don't put in a car. <laughs> Brother Gary bought a car from a dealership, a Toyota, uh, excuse me, help me please, Camry. It was a 0203. O2 camera. They brought it in, and that thing was shiny and smooth, and it was jet black. Let me just tell you, was it black and blue? That's one of the worst cars, darker colors. I just don't like them. They're so hard to scuff out if you ever worked on paint. But, man, it looked shiny, and it looked clean, and it looked wonderful. But let me tell you, on the way home, their transmission went out. On a car they just brought off of a lot 
You know, it's funny how we put such uh, interest in vehicles, things that go down in value, things that have very little worth in our life, and we make so much of them. Just a car. Billy Gary put his hope in that. He said, man, this is great. We got a new car. New to us car. It smells good. It looks good. Start it up, man. It runs. And it gets them here, but it don't get them home. <laughs> man, that's great. You know, some people put so much hope in things that don't matter. So much hope. So much faith in things. I didn't see any one of us today that came in. I've used this before, but I didn't see anyone come into their chair and welcome to Harvest. These chairs are not comfortable. I will tell you that right now. We do that in effort to help you not fall asleep. Amen? <laughs> but you come in, and I didn't see anyone grab their chair and look and, ex and examine it and say, Man, that, that, that's bolted on, right? That's stuck on pretty good. <laughs> Nobody did that. Put a lot of hope in a chair. How many of you have ever fallen through a chair? <laughs> Amen? You didn't examine it. Amen. <laughs> so there was a lot of things that we give, we put our hope in, and we put our trust in, we put our hope in empty promises. Anyone ever hear, uh, ever somebody told you, like a mom and dad said, yeah, when you're 16, I'm going to buy you a car? Anybody in here like that? No? Okay. I'm the wrong crowd. Amen. Uh, is there anyone that was given a promise, hey, son, when you go to that baseball game, I will be there? Hey, when you, when you go out there and, and uh, you're playing on that team, I will be at every single game, home game, away game, I will be there for you. How many of you have ever been told something like that? And they never showed up. Empty promises. Vain, empty promises. <laughs> Why am I going so far down that? Because I want everybody to understand that every one of us, at one point or another, has put our faith and put our hope in something or someone that has let us down utterly and completely. Anyone like that? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, the government is not who you put your hope in. They're not going to dig you out of debt. They're not going to help you. Amen? Right? Uh, they're not going to show you how to live your life. They're not going to come to your house and make you do the right things. And, and by the way, neither am I. But I want to tell everybody, as much as we've had our hope and things that go down in value and hope and things that don't matter. And, and I've asked this question before. How many of you, when you're laying on your deathbed, because I've been there when people are, are passing from this life, to ask them questions, those that are alert, and there is a moment, if you've been around people for too long, there is a moment where their mind is awake and their mind is alert. Is everybody with me? So I've experienced that, asking questions, and you say, uh, what would you like to do if you had five more minutes of time, sir? What would you do if you had five more minutes? What would you do with your family? What would you do? And you know what? None of them said, boy, you know what? I would have just went to work. For five more hours. Nope. They would say, I wish I would have taken better care of my family. They would have said, I wish that I would have taught my children something that lasted the money that I have in the bank. They would have taught them about character. They would have taught them about the Lord. They would have taught them about having hope when they die. 
Because those of us that have been around long enough, we've seen people well, where hope is, is true is there's a certain level of peace that certain people have. Uh, it, it's not a fight. There's some of you today that would say, man, Lord, come quickly. Amen? Amen. And some of us would say that there's excruciating pain every day you wake up and you don't know where it comes from. And every day you just stay, wake up every morning and because you have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're to say, Lord, come quickly. And there's some of us that when we step out into eternity, I don't know every person here. There may be just one here today that says, you know what? I got so much hope in things that have very little value. I have so much hope in empty promises. I have so much hope in things that don't amount to anything. Wouldn't you like to know that your sins are forgiven? Amen. Wouldn't you like to know? I mean, no. Not, I hope so. But know that you can have eternal life. And know that you can have hope again. Some of us have forgotten what hope feels like. Some of you today have forgotten what hope is like. Forgotten what it is to believe in God again. To have hope that He can do something in your life or the life of someone near to you. We become like these disciples when Jesus tells us a hard saying. He tells us something we don't understand or we don't wish to hear. And it's a hard saying, something difficult. We have hope. We know who the Lord is. But when He begins to speak, we say, Well, you know, I trusted you, Lord, until you said that. Until you did that in my life, I trusted you until that point. I had hope until you said that. Today, I'll be honest, the Lord... As He begins to work in your life is the same as He does in mine. And anyone else that is under the sound of my voice, listen, hope is alive today. You have a living hope. As well as Jesus said that He's going to die. He's going to give His life. And uh, as I'm going to jump in just very quickly to the book of John, um, as I've already read, but... John chapter 20. Just stay where you are, folks. Stay where you are. It's just one verse in John chapter number 20 and verse number 31 of that passage. The Bible says this as he wrote the book of John. And he says this, verse 31, But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. So men have always tried to explain away the hope that we believe in. Uh, we believe something. They ask these questions nowadays. Why? Why do you believe that? Why do you have that? How could they possibly have hope? Let me ask you a question. What gives you comfort? What gives you hope? I'm not just speaking of eternity. I'm not just speaking of when you go into the grave. I mean, tomorrow, what gives you hope and comfort? What gives you peace in your life? Uh, there is some when we go out... Wake up, please. There are some when we go out in the midst of this community as we've had opportunity and some of you have had opportunity to go out. We knocked on a door yesterday. And uh, this lady came out and, and I thought she was mad and she's going to slam the door in my face, right on my face. And, and you know what she did? 
She said, I don't believe what you believe. And I began to tell her about the Lord and, and began to tell her, ask her about her faith. And she said, I was confirmed when I was a child. She says, I was a Lutheran. Which means, that means that she memorized all the scriptures and prayed a prayer. I said, it's interesting that someone can pray a prayer but never have a relationship with God. Because it sounds like it was some kids, one, two, three, repeat after me, memorize this, do this, and then all of a sudden you're saved. Folks, it's hope and belief and trust Amen. in Jesus Christ alone. And so she comes out to the door and she says, oh, I've already done all that and, and I'm, I'm through with organized religion. And Brother Dave piped in and says, well, ma'am, welcome to Harvest. We are unorganized. <laughs> and we are disorganized confusion. Praise the Lord. But we're here and we're preaching the gospel and we're, we're watching God change lives. And so we, she came out, we began talking to her about the Lord and began telling her about, uh, you know, I was telling her about the, the things of God. She says, you know what, I just don't believe everything I hear. I'm a psychologist and I deal with people on a regular basis. And I said, okay. She says, I'm through with organized religion. I'm through with church. I don't believe that stuff anymore. I just, I said, well, do you have hope for mankind? What's your hope for mankind? She says, well, there isn't any. She says, mankind, there's, a, there's very few people that are actually doing good out there in this world. I said, I'd like to tell you about the one. Amen. But the fact is, she says, I've already done that. I'm going to tell you something. Just because you pray a prayer doesn't mean that you're saved. Just because you put your, just because you prayed, repeat after me and read some scripture and all that, that does not mean you're saved. There's no repentance. There's no turning away uh, from self to from sin to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no accepting Him and believing not just that He died. Because a lot of people like to leave it right there. He gave Himself for us. But He didn't just die. He did not just stay in the grave. We had a living hope. Amen? Amen. So as this lady began to speak to us, and, and she, she didn't get mean or anything like that, I praise the Lord. I was, I was scared, Brother Dave. Uh, we were standing there for over 30 minutes talking to this lady, and she let me talk to her about the Lord. And she let me, and she said, I don't believe history. I don't believe uh, science. I'm a scientist, and I'm a historian. What she said, I said, ma'am, there is more truth that the Bible is fact than any, any textbook on the planet. Over 5,000 manuscripts that point to the Word of God being true. And you've got one person on a piece of paper, and it's above the Bible. She says, I don't believe that stuff about Jesus. I said, ma'am, he's in your history book that you love so much. Everybody's got that where they say, I got hope in something. Every one of us has hope in something. And by the way, everyone in this room, under the sound of my voice, you have hope in something. You might have hope in your car. Amen. You might go start it. Hopefully it starts. It might not. You may have hope in your seat that you're in. Right? You may have hope in all kinds of things, but I will say this. Most of the things in this world are empty and vain. And the reality is you're going to look up on your deathbed and you're going to wonder, what did I do with my life? And you're going to wonder, what did I have hope in? 
And when you're sitting there wringing your hands, wondering, you're going to remember the high-pitched voice of a bald pastor saying, there is one God, and His name is Jesus. Amen. And He did rise. And there is hope. And hopefully you don't become like the rich man in Lazarus. And the rich man was down uh, getting tormented by the flame. And he said, send Lazarus to dip his finger on one tip of water, on a drop of water, and drop it into my mouth or on my tongue to cool me. And I'm in torments, he says. How about this? We'll just let you. He said, or let me go to my brothers. I have five brothers. And he said, if they wouldn't believe the prophet's if they wouldn't believe the Word of God, if they wouldn't put their hope in what's already been stated, why would they believe you if you rise from the dead and tell them? Hope is alive, folks. And it's always been there for us. And God has always been there. He's always been on the outside just waiting for you. Waiting for you to communicate with Him. Waiting to give you hope. Waiting to help you. Today, some may be resisting that hope. I'm going to jump to several scriptures, so you're going to have to bear with me. So we already spoke of the doubt of the world and even those who knew Him personally. We saw in John 6 the disciples that began to walk away from the Lord and the people who walked away when He spoke that knew uh, all the things that would come to pass and the ones who departed afterwards. We see the disciples even after Jesus died, even after He visited them, even after all of these things happened, the disciples went fishing and went back to their old life and walked away as if they'd forgotten who Jesus was and walked away. So today, it may be that someone here has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but for some time, you've been walking away. Because you haven't seen it. You haven't felt it. Perhaps there's something in your life that's separating you from God. Perhaps you never put your hope in Him in the beginning. Alright, I'm going to jump to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. And if you got your Bibles, it's okay to use them. Amen? Matthew 27. And if you don't want to turn, you don't have fast hands to flip, you can just stay where you are. Matthew chapter number 27, verse 62, the Bible says this, and the high priest arose, excuse me, chapter 27, verse number 62. <clears throat> Not chapter 28. All right. Now, the next day that followed the day of preparation, <clears throat> the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver said, that deceiver they're speaking of is none other than Jesus Christ. While he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can, as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now, 
What is amazing about this is they send the men to go because they're afraid that it's actually going to happen. Now, folks, Jesus Christ is dead. He's already been crucified. The moment has already come when he's been taken. He's been wrapped in his grave clothes and he's poured the ointment upon him and his bur for burying and he's been placed in a borrowed tomb. And they laid him there. And they're afraid that he's going to rise. Something's going to happen. They said, you know what? Something's different about Jesus. The things that he say actually happen. The way that he helps and heals people, no one else has ever loved people this way. No one else has ever changed a society this way. No one else has ever looked with love into the eyes of every person that he meets with compassion and love to make a difference in their life. No one else has done that. So we see Jesus Christ was laid in a, in a tomb. He's laid into a borrowed tomb. And, and they, made, they, they put a stone upon the door. And we know what happened that next day. We know that the stone was rolled away when they woke. And uh, the soldiers wondered what happened. And there was an angel that came that was a countenance like lightning, bright white, sitting waiting there. And they said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen. As he said. Amen? So he rose. He rose. He didn't just stay in the grave. And by the way, that angel that rolled the stone away. And Jesus was out of there with grave clothes off. And he looked normal like a person. Something was different about him nonetheless. But he had the, the, the payment that was sealed upon him. The nail prints were still there and visible. And we don't, I'm not going to jump there, but I will say that he visited, uh, we, we've been in the book of John, and he visited, remember he reminded Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. Judas, you're going to betray me. Thomas, you're going to doubt me. Many more did that. He visited his disciples. They doubted him. They walked away from him. They said, no, this cannot happen. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus rose again. And the men were wondering in their hearts, can't you just imagine, oh, Jesus is dead. Empty promises again. Nothing worked out. But look, folks, it didn't remain that way. He rose. He rose from the grave. And when he rose, he did something that was amazing. He had a great and mighty victory. Uh, we have our hope. Listen, our hope would have disappeared. Our hope would not matter if he remained in the grave. Amen. So we're going to turn now. I got one more passage for you. Bear with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I wanted you to kind of see from the perspective of those that were doubters. But you notice that even the ones that doubted Jesus believed Him when He spoke. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. So this is something. There are those that have disputed time and again. Oh, Jesus can't be who He said He was. Uh, Jesus couldn't have rose. Uh, that didn't happen. He never visited His disciples. All of that did not matter. None of that really happened. 
And there's a lot of people. We have a different hope. A lady, the lady from yesterday that I was telling you about, she says, uh, I don't really like religion. Well, I said, we're not here to preach religion to you. I am a Baptist for different reasons, but the fact that because I believe the Bible, but that's a different story. I believe in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and that He died for my sins according to the Scriptures, yeah. and rose again. Yeah. But listen, a dead Savior is no Savior at all. Right. We have no hope if He would have stayed in the ground. We have no hope if He would have remained there. And so we see here... Then as we're getting ready to read this passage, we're going to come to a clear understanding, hopefully through the Word of God. Now, number one, why Jesus came, and also that He was seen of many people, and that many believed because of what they saw. Let's jump into the passage, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also are ye saved. And this is the Corinthian church. Those of you who don't know, know though, had a, they had a number of trouble, a number of problems that Paul or, had to sort out. But here he's going back to them about the, the gospel. He said, What I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, those of you that had put your faith and trust in, and not in my words, and not in what Jesus did, you're still trusting yourselves, you're not relying on the Lord. Listen, he says, For I delivered unto you that first of all, uh, that which I also received. Well, what did you receive? He's going to show us how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Well, that's pretty, pretty simple, isn't it? I probably could have just done this one passage and been okay, but I wanted you to see the skeptics. The people that say, Nah, never happened. But he said here, see, he said, you have how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. I wanted to bring my, my son up or, or one of the little ones and I wanted to ask them, hey, what sin? What sin? How did Christ die for our sins? You know what your kids would often say uh, at our house, they say, uh, sin is when you disobey mom and dad. I say, what sin? Aaron comes up and says, when I kick my little brother, or, kick, or not my little brother, my little sister. I didn't kick Lincoln, okay? That's a bad story, okay? Uh, but he, when he would kick his little sister or when he would lie or tell, tell us something, I say, you know what? It's the same for every adult. When we lie, when we don't do what we say we'll do, when we use the Lord's name as a cuss word, when we look at things we know we shouldn't and desire and lust after things we know we shouldn't have, all of those things are sin. For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We've all been reminded today what sin is. And so he says this, that according to this, he says, The first thing that Christ showed him, he had delivered unto you first of all, that I, which I also received. What's the first part? How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now more than disputed almost as much as he's risen again is what day he rose on. The first day of the week. Amen. Which not in our calendar, but in the Jewish calendar... Is Sunday morning. That's the first day of the week. Amen? Sunday morning. 
That's on their calendar. We don't use our calendar. By the way, when you look in the Bible, it's, much of it is Jewish history and Jewish culture. But I want to remind us that it was on the Sunday. So the Lord rose. He rose from the grave. <laughs> he says He didn't just stay in there. He rose the third day. Listen, a dead Savior is no Savior. He said this, go on to go on verse number 5 if you're with me in the Bible. It says, And that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So He was seen by all the disciples, then by Cephas. Uh, by Cephas. And after that He was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the, of the greater part remain unto the present. But some are fallen asleep. Uh, listen, He's saying this, uh, though there's been over 500 people at one time, all the disciples... Uh, the men that knew him well, uh, they've all seen that he is risen. He's not dead. And by the way, it was the third day, just like he said. Amen. This is good. And just, just in case you don't know what amen means, it means truth. Amen. It means I agree. And if you're from the south, it means shake that bush and stay right there, preacher. Some of you would get a kick out of that. Amen. After that, listen, verse number 7, he says, After that he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. He says this, this is Paul speaking, And for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I persecuted it. <coughs> now, if Christ be preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Listen, and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Empty. Means nothing. He said, if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. And last one, last part of that, verse 17, says, Ye are yet in your sins. The wages of sin is back in the way back in the garden of eden when adam and eve sinned against god and they were tossed from the garden god said that after after this day as of right now you will begin to die and it wasn't just physical death adam just didn't die that day the bible says that he was separated from god at that moment and his body would die also are y'all with me oh well, i want to make it as simple as possible raise your hand if you don't understand i promise i'll slow down so Adam and Eve, when they ate of that fruit, when they were tossed from the garden and they were separated from God, that was the first Adam, right? The one that had come. And later on in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, you can read that there was called a second Adam. There was one Adam in the garden that ruined everything. I can say that. He made every, there no way back to God. Because your sin, you're forever running, but losing the race. Alright, you're running forever. You're never going to make it there. And so they had hope really at the beginning of nothing. They had hope in this. That from year to year their sins would be covered by the blood of the sacrifices from year to year. That lamb that was crucified, that was, that was uh, slaughtered. And the blood poured upon the altar. It was a sacrifice for sins. 
<laughs> I've already asked you, but all of us could say, I know what sin is. I don't think that there's a question about that, right? I'm looking for eyes, amen? I like when people look up and sit up straight. You're not children, but amen. It's good to look up and be alive, amen? Be in church, amen? But so those sins that were covered from year after year could only cover, but not forever. It didn't work forever. When the second Adam came, which was Jesus Christ, the Bible says when He gave His life upon the cross, and if you read from Matthew 1.21, the reason that Jesus came was to save His people from their sins. Amen. That's why He came. So we know what we've done. We know who we are. We know that we've had a world of empty promises and a bunch of empty guarantees that never amounted to anything. And now we're wondering again, scratching our mind, is what He said true he could really forgive me of my sins? Some of you wonder that. Some of you hope in that. Some of you have tried to ask forgiveness in many different ways. Some of you that have a past. I, I'm going to tell you right now. Every one of us has a past. Some of us are just better at hiding it. Think about that for a second. So we come, we come to this point. Every one of us wonder, can I be forgiven? Is this thing that Jesus is talking about going to heaven, is that real? Is that possible? Because I trust me, I put my hope in everything under the sun. And it's amounted to nothing. <clears throat> Folks, the reality is that if he would still be in that grave, if he was still in grave clothes lying there, your hope would be dead. You would have no such thing as hope. But because he rose from the grave, you have hope. Hope is alive. So there's still hope today. And I'm going to have, uh, as I uh, had my words up here and get them up, I, uh, I sang, we sang today a song that some of you, it's, very, it's a familiar song, but the song reads this, In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God, my helpless... Uh, this helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned, mocked, ridiculed by the ones He came to save. Till on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. There in the ground His body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, He rose again. And as He stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am His and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. And no guilt. If you read John, the latter part, when he spoke... He said that you that have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, there is no hope for you. You're already condemned. You're condemned already because you have not believed. It says here, no guilt in life. 
No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. John 10, 30. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Folks, what gives you hope today? What do you rest on from not just eternity, but from day to day? What gives you hope? What gives you hope from day to day that you will make it another day? What gives you life? What uh, wakes you up with the morning? What gives you hope? What do you place your faith and trust in on a regular basis? And what do you place your faith and hope on when you pass from this life? Where will you wake up? Folks, have you been forgiven? I'm going to tell you one of the greatest weights that's ever been removed from me is when I said, forgive me. And he didn't do this. He didn't say, maybe. Nah. He said, you're forgiven. Amen. And not just only when I accepted Christ, not only when I realized that He paid the debt for my sin, not only did I get forgiven, which by the way, I could have endured anything else if I would have been told I'm forgiven. Because there's so many of us that just wonder, can I forgive myself? Let me just tell you, if, if God can forgive you, you can forgive you. Mm -hmm. It may take some time to work through that, but there is hope, folks. There is hope. We have a living hope. Today, as we sang that song and our hearts were burdened by the words, it's how we have hope. We have a living hope in Christ alone. And as I sang and as I wondered in the, in, that, in the words, as I dwelled upon them and I began to think about the truth that we hold in our hands and the ability that we have not just to be forgiven, but to find our home in heaven, I will tell you this. I wondered, I've, only, I've been a Christian for some time, but uh, I wondered if my parents knew the Lord. I wondered. I really did. I, uh, I hadn't been in church for too long when I started learning about what salvation was and about who Jesus was. And you know what I did as a 16-year-old boy, and some of you might have done this? I prayed a prayer to accept Jesus Christ and put my faith in Him, but it wasn't real. I did that to get my friend off my back. I did that because I thought maybe I could go to heaven to see my mom because I prayed this prayer, and one, two, three, repeat after me, that's all it is. I didn't realize that it's a lifelong thing. But I remember asking my mom, I'm going to be ending real quick, but I got two more quick ones, just my parents, some personal illustration from myself. 
I ended up, when I moved here, accepting Jesus Christ, and years later, years later, I found out wondering, I began to ask in my mind, do my parents, did they know Jesus? Did my parents have the same hope that I have? And I began to question and wonder, listen, uh, I, my dad is, was getting older. My mom, uh, when I was 16, had already passed away. I had no idea if she knew the Lord. And I had no idea. I just, you know what I did when I found out? that If I found, knew that he didn't and I, I was crying out to God, you know what I began to do? I wrote my dad letters and I said, Dad, I want to tell you about somebody who's forgiven me. And he can forgive you. You say, no big deal. Yeah, it is. Huh. See, <clears throat> when you've been through some things on the other side of the railroad tracks or the other side of the road, when you've seen people in your life hurt you in a real way, you've seen people give empty promises to you, and you see no hope, no light at the end of the tunnel. And you know where you should be right now. Do you know where this guy should be right now? A druggie. An alcoholic. That's where I should be. You know where this guy should be? In jail. He said, what are you getting at? No, because my folks, both sides, in the area that I grew up in, Flint, Michigan, was not a pretty sight. I could throw a rock in every drug house right around me. And let me tell you, there's no other reason but God that he got me out of that place. There's no other reason that I'm here but except for him. And when I accepted Jesus Christ, I said, can he really forgive me? Can I really have hope? Because let me just tell you, my dad, God rest him, I love my dad, but he let me down more times than I can count. Well, I remember writing my dad a letter, I remember because I was learning about forgiveness. If I've been forgiven, I said, man, i got to forgive everyone else. I can do it too. And you know what I did? I wrote my dad a letter. I said, dad, I love you, and I forgive you, dad. And by the way, let me introduce you to somebody who's changed my life and who's forgiven me. And you can do it too, dad. It's not hard. You can have hope, Dad. You can believe again. You know that you've always dreamed, you always believed, but now it's kind of... Let me explain, okay, before you fall asleep, okay? My dad, I, this last year, developed cancer. Stage 4 colon cancer. He didn't know. He knew something was wrong, but he went to the doctor too late. Men, don't be stubborn. And just tell me right there. I'll say it again. Men, don't be stubborn. In more than one way. But my dad, I, I finally got a chance to talk to my dad, and he was alert. This is before he went on morphine. This is before all the things started happening to my dad, and he had a clear mind, sound as day. And I asked him, I said, Dad, I, I, I started asking him, about, Hey, Dad, do you know the Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ? Dad, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? And I wasn't playing anymore. Why? Because it was real. It was getting down to the last uh, weeks and months of my dad's life. And I didn't know how long he had. And I rushed home and my wife uh, got to visit my dad and all those things happened. Well, the second time I went back, 
I had contacted my dad a little bit before, and I called him, and I said, Dad, I said, Dad, I said, I said, are you saved? I didn't play around anymore. I didn't say, hey, Dad, you know about the Lord? You go to church and all that. I said, Dad, are you saved? Do you have hope that when you die, that you're going to wake up in heaven? Do you have a hope that your sins are forgiven? He said, son, I did that a long time ago. I said, Dad, tell me about it, Dad. He said, well, this preacher was yelling. And he was preaching up from the pulpit. And they were having some kind of revival meeting. If you knew my dad, he was a sound man by trade, a sound technician. We could use him right now. Amen? But he said this. He said, you know, uh, this man was up there preaching. And he said something about in Christ alone. In Jesus alone. Your sins can be forgiven. You'll surely have a home in heaven. The Bible teaches us. And, and he, he says, well, I didn't know about that. And, and one of the preachers came back and he talked to me. I was a sound man. He says, hey, do you, you want to know how for sure how not only you can go to heaven, but your sins can be forgiven and you can live a life for God? And you know what? <laughs> sure. And he ended up accepting Christ right there on the spot. Amen. I said, wow. My dad finally told me after all these years, I had no idea. And so I, I began to just be, be rejoicing. And then I get a phone call a little bit later. And this is great because you know what happened just a couple months later? And that's how fast people, when they get on morphine and when they get through that kind of stage, they go very fast. And my dad was, he said, bro, my brother called me up and he was the last person. He said, you got to come now or you're not going to see that He's going to pass. Said, okay. So I came there that weekend, that Saturday. We decided we were scared. We were like, I don't even know if we have the ability. And we ended up somehow getting it. And praise the Lord for that. And got down there. And you know what happened? I was there with my stepmom. And uh, my, my stepmother asked me if I would stay and help her take care of my dad. And I, I began to go, ah, I'm, I haven't, you know, my dad was in you know, in a bad incontinent, you know, diapers, all kinds of stuff. And I, I said, I don't need, but I'll stay and I'll help. I'll do whatever I can with my dad. He couldn't talk at this point. No communication anymore. No, I mean, there was no, there was all wondering. I, <laughs> he, he couldn't even get out. I love you, son. Nothing. I remember getting him to his bed and I remember Sally called for me at about 10 o'clock, 10 something that evening. And, uh, I went to my dad's bedside and I held his hand when he died. And it wasn't angry. I'll tell you, my stepmom, she, she needs the Lord because she was sitting there at the end of the bed, chain smoking. She had no hope and she has no idea where he woke up. And said that today, maybe just perhaps some of you don't know. When I held his hand, I watched him take his last breath. I knew in the back of my mind there was a scripture going on. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. And that's my hope. And that's real to me. And nobody's going to explain it away. And nobody's going to take it away from me. Because the Bible says that no man can pluck me out of his hand. What's your hope today? A lot of empty promises out there. 
A lot of people hurt you. A lot of people saying things that don't have very little value in your life. And some of you have been Christians for a long time, but you've been closet Christians, which means you're not really living it. Can I just tell you today, there's a lot of people who need light in this world. There's a lot of people who need hope, and you could give it to them. So today, as we have what's going to call an invitation, simple. This is a time where those of you that don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's a time right now, at this very moment, where I, nobody's going to be looking around and nobody else is going to be noticing you or things like that. We're going to have an opportunity for you to come and meet either with my wife or someone else, a lady or myself or Brother Dave. Someone can show you from the Scriptures how you can be saved, how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can have a home in heaven. And for someone who's a Christian to say, you know what, I've walked away from God for too long. I've had this hope, but I've not been a light and a hope to others. And I know that I need to be. Today I want to say this. You can come. And you can make it right with God. Today. Right now. He's alive. I'm going to ask the piano player to come. I'm going to ask the piano player to come. She, as she comes, folks, I just want to call you to, uh, to a time of prayer. Maybe it's a silent time. Maybe it's a time just... And